everyone! This is the Middle School GSA, and I'm Felonius Ferris, and I go by they, them pronouns. And my co-host is... I'm Demi Gloom, and I go by she, her pronouns. <laughs> How are you doing today, Felonius Ferris? I'm so tired, but I'm always so tired. Just like but the I'm normal like tired? But I'm like extra so tired today. I'm, I'm extra, extra tired today. It's fine, though. Is there a reason? No. When did you wake up? <laughs> I woke up probably at 11.30. Ugh, lame as hell, bro. Why would you... What do you mean? 11 is so... Ugh, it's the worst time to wake up. Because you don't get the benefits <laughs> of staying... You don't get the benefits of staying in bed late, but you also don't get the benefits of getting up early. It's just a really shitty time to get up. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't control it. I, I, if I could, like, schedule it all, I would, but... Fair enough. We have comments from the last episode. Yo! Uh, Insight Zoidberg says, I can't fucking believe you. Watch your fucking mouth, middle schooler. I open up for you and you tell... It, I open up for you and tell you my deep personal story that I've never spoken to about in public before. And what do you do? You fucking laugh at me. You're not gay straight allies. You're just straight allies. Might as well change the name... Of the show to middle school trigger warning, SA. I can't believe you would do this to me. I thought we were friends. Insight. Um, that's uh, very unfortunate. Um, Insight Zoidberg, who I just had a friendly conversation with last night. I am really sad that our friendship is completely over and you never want to talk to me again. Uh, David Fern. <laughs> says love seeing the msgsa cinematic universe expand how is the cinematic universe expanding from like what about last episode implies that we are branching out they, got, they get the ferris lore oh ferris lore, okay know? yeah but like okay never mind i'm <laughs> i have a whole rant prepared but i'm i'll, I'll leave it out uh pepito says it's pep ito by the way not pedo, not like a pedophile. Like I, I realized last time I was like, yeah, pepito. It kind of like sounded like I just said pedo. No, they're not a pedo. Just pepito. I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I cannot have personal experiences like humans. However, I could provide you with a sample comment that you may find useful. Dear video creator and fellow, this is AI generated, very obviously, and they think it's. <laughs> they think you think it's so funny to AI generate like two paragraphs and make me read it on the show. Well, guess what? I'm not doing it. If you have two real paragraphs of heartfelt comment that you want me to read and respond to, I will gladly read it. I'll read a fucking book on this podcast if you send it to me and you really want my response. But as far as AI is concerned, I do not want anything to do with it. I'm not reading this stupid AI-generated shit. Yeah, I have ChatGPT too. Everyone does, okay? I know what it's capable of. I understand that it's, it's a, it does the funny formal essay about whatever you tell it to. It's not funny. Not funny anymore. It's over. Spice Chai, who is Squeebo, says, One epic dollar, one epic dollar, one epic dollar, one epic dollar. Mayhaps, mayhaps. And bear with me as we work through this together. <laughs> mayhaps there is a frog on the floor at the party that could possibly represent just... Mm. Now bear with me, mayhaps. So we have a million dollars. And by the way, this is just quoting a Punk Revolution Now video that um nobody else <laughs> except for me, Squeebo, and Insight know. And it's not funny. Moving forward. Dear Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris, this is Peter Griffin, and I just wanted to drop you to a line 
to let you know how much I love your podcast. You guys are like the Cleveland Show and American Dad combined, but with actual humor and feeling. Me and my buddies here in Quahog have made it a weekly tradition to gather around the TV and listen to your show. <laughs> Every episode is like a fresh a fresh batch of a bird is the word on a loop. Pure gold. Your discussions about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, along with your witty insights and jokes, are always spot on. You guys really know how to pull our heartstrings just like when Brian died. Wait, he's back? You both are like Stewie and Brian to our dysfunctional family. Speaking of Stewie, he told me to tell you guys that he's a big fan of the show and dreams of being a guest one day. He's got a lot to say, believe me. You know, that kid is like our very own genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, just without the suit. Anyways, I just wanted to say thanks for making us laugh, for making us think, and bringing us all together every week. Keep up the good work, and if you ever need a guest appearance from a certain beer-loving, chicken-fighting couch potato, just give me a call. Sincerely, Peter Griffin. P.S. Don't say anything mean about me on the show. I have feelings too, you know. Um. Thank you so much, Peter. I can't tell if this is actually AI-generated or pretend AI-generated or partially AI-generated, but um, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Why? I, Thank you so much, Peter. If, I really appreciate. If Peter, support. if Peter wants to come on the show and explain what the hell he's talking about, then go right ahead. <sighs> More fucking squeebo, and they get. Let me read my comment. I'm stupid. I'm non-binary, <laughs> and I don't know how to take it. I don't know how to take no for an answer. Shut the fuck up. I'll read your comment. <laughs> Just quit bitching, okay? Demi Gloom and Felonious Ferris were the beloved were. The beloved hosts of popular podcast MSGSA, always delivering insightful discussions and witty humor to their listeners. However, they were about to face their greatest challenge yet. Their their evil counterparts, Moogie Med and Legal Dweller, had just arrived on the scene, <laughs> determined to ruin the future of MSGSA. Moogie Med was the complete opposite of Demi Gloom. Instead of being laid back... They were uptight and strict, always seeking perfection. Legal Bweller, on the other hand, was the complete opposite of felonious Ferris. They were sneaky <laughs> and always looking for ways to twist the law in their favor. Together, they plotted to get MSGSA off the air forever. Using their devious schemes to sabotage the show, they would call in fake complaints or create an online movement trying to take down MSGSA. Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris were determined to protect their podcast and their loyal listeners. One night, Mulgi Med and Legal Bweller somehow managed to hack into the MSGSA studio. I don't even know what that means. Did they hack into the Discord call? <laughs> Interrupting the show with their own twisted version. Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris <laughs> were horrified at the sight of their e evil counterparts, but they couldn't let them win. They immediately called in their team of loyal supporters, Meg, Chris, Stewie, and Brian. The fight between good and evil was intense. Both sides determined to come out on top. Mulgimed and Legal Bweller were using every trick in the book to discredit MSGSA, while Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris fought back with their wit and intelligence. Finally, after what seemed like hours, Mulgimed and Legal Bweller were subdued. They were arrested and charged with their crimes, while Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris continued their successful run of MSGSA with even more force and confidence. All in all, it was a thrilling battle between good and evil, although it may have seemed like the end of the beloved podcast, Demi Gloom and Felonius Ferris were able to keep it alive and thriving. It showed that with determination and support, and the support of your friends and fans, you can overcome anything. 
Another last Squeebo comment says the the sound effect at fifty four twenty nine gave me a heart attack like it was an actual jump scare. Um, yeah, the the censored sound effect. Um, I don't think Felonius Ferris is aware that whenever I uh, beep out some something, particularly Felonius Ferris's name, uh, I don't actually use a beep. I use the first few seconds of "On Sight" by Kanye West played very very loud, <laughs> and it's really funny. Um, oh my god <laughs> it's um those are all the comments and i'm just i realized i just said i wasn't gonna read ai comments and read like nine paragraphs of what chat gpt uh-huh. had to tell us and it was pretty pretty bad um so here's what i'm gonna say and feel free to agree or disagree with this decision felonius ferris i say no more ai generated comments um but if we reach 50 subscribers, we will do an episode where all we do is read your stupid fucking AI shit. How does that sound? Sure. Okay. 50 subscribers. Tell all your friends to subscribe. We'll read all your stupid fucking AI-generated comments. Other than that, no. No AI. No more chat GPT. Uh, you're getting banned. You're getting unsubscribed. And you're getting... Uh, I don't know. You're over. It's done. What the hell are we talking about today? I think that we're going to be talking about um, forced diversity, Demi Gloom. All female Ghostbusters? What? Yeah. Black yeah. Panther? What about White Panther? Uh huh. What the hell, man? Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. So, what the fuck I is. Know, it's white genocide out here. What is forced diversity? I, I feel like we're, we're becoming a 2016 anti SJW podcast. We're talking about trenders. We're talking about. Uh, that's pretty much it. Trenders. Yeah. <laughs> Bro shippers. <laughs> this is this is a, a Leafy is here fan still, podcast. We love I still iDubs. I can't fucking believe that we actually talked about pro shippers. <laughs> hey man. It it needed to be done. But what the hell is forced diversity? Um because unlike so, unlike me, you care about forced diversity apparently. Um you you may have been deceived, Demi Gloom, because um, I'm here rather than in belief that forced diversity exists. Um, I'm here to de- debunk forced diversity, the concept of it. And depending on who you ask, you'll get a lot of different definitions of forced diversity. But I think that the one that we're all most familiar with is like... A, a TV show gets a new protagonist, and they're gay, and then all the sweaty, greasy dudes on their couch with, like, Dorito stains around their mouth go, Oh! Oh! It's forced diversity! It's forced diversity out here! It's, it's shoehorned in! Shoehorned in gay people! It makes no sense to have a gay person, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um people who believe that there has to be some kind of justification in the plot if you're going to have an LGBT character or a character of color, that kind of thing. I think um, they I think less than a justification for the plot because I think that's almost always there. It's not that I don't think that's ever missing. I think it's more so that it has to be natural to the setting. Like it has to well, be like and like for that for them they seem they seem to believe that yeah. like if it isn't something that they would have like came up with on the drawing board immediately, uh, 
then mm-hmm. it's just forced diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, recently I had, I did a little cute and quirky bait post on the internet, um, talking about just, just posting a screenshot of, well, okay, hopefully this won't like expose my secret identity. I don't really care if it does get exposed, but I posted a screenshot of this old, Twitter thread that Fightin' Cowboy made, and if you don't know Fightin' Cowboy, he, uh, makes Soulsborn from software, uh, and other games, um, content that are, like, guides through the games, um, and I posted this thread that he did about, about forced diversity, and how it's just, it's, it's dumb even think that forced diversity exists and kind of explains, uh, gives a great explanation of why gay people and black people existing in media is not forced diversity. Um, and then, then of course, you get all sorts of people in the comments going, oh, we'll, we'll, what we really mean by forced diversity is when, like, a, a white character gets replaced with a black character in an adaptation. And it's like, that's really, that's not what I think forced diversity originally meant. It's not, like, the origins of the term I remember very distinctly when I first heard about forced diversity um, was... Mostly, mostly just people griping about minorities being being in their favorite media. Yeah, that's essentially what forced diversity. It's essentially what the whole argument, the movement is. They don't, they don't like it when uh, their once white cast is no longer entirely white or entirely heterosexual or entirely cisgendered i guess i I don't even see trans representation Mm -hmm. like anywhere so i don't i don't know where this myth comes from but the idea that i have no idea what to say dude i literally do not care about this this topic (laughs) at all i'm just keeping it 100 real um i haven't cared listen i did pro shippers i did pro shippers for you so you need to do forced diversity now okay (laughs) but you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be in the driver's seat because I don't know what the hell to talk about. Uh-huh. All I know is like um, anecdotes, like examples of perceived forced diversity. Give give us some. Throw some at us. <laughs> Female Ghostbusters. Yes. Um, they did a Ghostbusters reboot, right? Where instead of mm-hmm. men, the characters were women, and that made people really, really, really mad. Um. Mm-hmm. The movie turned out to be terrible, to my understanding. Yes, um, it was. It was really bad. But I don't. I don't know. Was it forced diversity? Was this? Was this like a, an attempt to shove women where they didn't belong? Like, was is that <laughs> what this was, or was this just literally like somebody's true artistic vision was to have these characters who are female be the new Ghostbusters? Because to me, it seemed like they took some like cheap jabs at men or whatever, and just did like stupid like the 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 female equivalent of like douchebag comedy movies. And yeah, a little bit. It 
I don't know. I just like, I think maybe perhaps that there could have been some sort of like feminist motivation to replace these men with women, but I don't understand why people care. And that's what this is going to keep looping around to. Why does it matter? Just don't, okay, don't watch the new one. Like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, but uh, my my grandkids are going to think of female Ghostbusters when they hear the word Ghostbuster. First of all, no, that didn't happen because it was a fucking flop. Nobody liked that movie. Second of all, why, again, why do you care? Okay, then show, then show your, then it's your responsibility to show your grandkids what you see as the truly artistic, pure version of the Ghostbusters. Show them that. It it doesn't replace. Nobody's being replaced at this forced diversity. Oh, they made fucking Domino black in Deadpool too. That doesn't erase the decades of comics of white Domino. You know what I mean? And if this ethnicity is so important to your characters, if the gender or the ethnicity is the most important part of your character, then why? Then you you need to ask yourself what it is you're looking for in media. Because it seems like you're not lo- just looking for great art. It seems like you just are looking for an enforced understanding of whiteness. That's what it seems like to me. If that's really what's going to make you shit your pants, is seeing black people on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the most recent example that I can think of is um, the Rings of Power show, um, which I did watch and I loved. Uh, actually, I'm a big, um, I'm a big Tolkien fan. I grew up having The Hobbit read aloud to me. I grew up having the Lord of the Rings trilogy being some of my favorite movies. Uh, Legolas was one of my first crushes. You know, it's, it is, I'm not, like, Silmarillion level. Like, I don't read the Silmarillion for fun. I'm not that level of, of into Tolkien, but... I am a big fan. I would consider myself a big fan. Um, and uh, a lot of people completely lost their shit when they saw that a handful of characters that in the Silmarillion, um, the Silmarillion being just like the history of Middle Earth that uh, Tolkien published. Um, and these characters who were white in the Silmarillion not being white in the show. And I, I had a discussion with this guy about it. And first, the first point that you'll hear quite frequently is, um, why, why do you need your, these characters, why do you need a character to look like you or, or, or be gay like you are? in order to relate to them. That's stupid, you know? And you'll see, you know, oh, little little black boys saw Goku on the TV and related to him. So, obviously, no other perspectives can exist. <laughs> um, but uh, my, my response to that is, um, you know, you, you're... Just because you don't need a character to have this this thing about them this this trait whether it be race or gender or sexual orientation or whatever just because you don't you don't feel that you need that in order to relate to them doesn't mean 
that other people aren't sick and tired of this this fundamental part of who they are being treated like it it doesn't exist in a lot of media um like it's obviously i don't think anyone is saying that they're unable to relate to a character because they don't have race in common or something like that their status as a minority in common but it is really fun to see this aspect of your identity that you very rarely see accurately represented in fiction um suddenly represented suddenly you have this this character who represents you in a way that you hadn't seen represented before and yeah. that that's that's really i mean i think it would be it, it's just kind of divorced from reality to say that a lot of us, our identities, especially for minorities, don't kind of revolve around these these things. Because obviously, especially in America, we're um, we're still very segregated here, and there still are a lot of cultural barriers between between races. Um, and even between LGBT people and non-LGBT people, just because of a lack of knowledge. Um, and, you know, it's just, I, I couldn't imagine, like, someone, someone has the urge, that, you know, imagine that you're, you're a black nerd, you're a big Tolkien fan, it, like, it, I think it's, it's kind of sad to to look at look at all of Tolkien's work and see that you and this fundamental part of your identity is just absent. And canonically black and brown people do exist in Tolkien's work. They just don't really appear <laughs> anywhere. They aren't visible anywhere. And looking back, I see people people also treat Tolkien like the Silmarillion and The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings are like his Bible and he is God and he put the Bible on earth and altering it is sacrilege. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think it's really, it's okay to look back and go, yeah, it was kind of weird to have like an, the only visible characters be white. <laughs> like that's a little, that's a little curious. And um, that's because at the time that Tolkien was alive and writing these things, there weren't really these social movements that were advocating for the visibility and acceptance of other races. But if if you look back, um, at a certain point, Tolkien realized that, um, I believe in some of the monsters that he was writing, that there were anti-Semitic tropes. And um, this this happens just because European folklore has a lot of roots in anti-Semitism. Yeah, when you create when you're and, creating work within a genre that is already like contains when you're working with tropes that are already insanely bigoted, you're kind of going to like inherit them and exhibit them just by proxy yeah. of working within the genre. But but guess what Tolkien did? 
What? Once he realized, oh, oh, these are these are anti-Semitic tropes, he stopped using those tropes. <laughs> That's Tolkien realized, oh, of. this is this is offensive to a minority group, and it's sad that they're being associated with these ghouls and goblins in European folklore. I'm not going to use those anti-Semitic tropes anymore. And I truly believe that if Tolkien was alive today instead, that he would have realized, oh, it's kind of whack to have no visible black or brown people. I 100%, I 100% believe it. And I 100% believe that um, when you see, you don't see this, this integral part of your identity ever represented in a piece of media, that it can be more difficult to connect because you feel invisible to it. Um, and um, I think that I, I couldn't, like, if, even if I didn't understand the urge to see this, these parts of your identity represented in media and kind of needing that in order to connect on a deeper level, even if I didn't understand that, I can't imagine seeing someone who is like, I'd like for us to just have a black elf in this show because I think it would, it would help black Tolkien fans feel more included and visible. I couldn't imagine getting mad at, at that. Like, that's, that's nuts to me. <laughs> like, who, who the fuck cares? I... You know, as as a white person myself, I, in every movie I watched growing up, I saw a white person there who was super cool, um, who, uh, you know, who looked like me. I don't know what it's like to not, to not be represented in that way. You didn't, you didn't just watch Martin as a kid and nothing else? Just, uh, God, what was that show? Little Bill? I just watched Little Bill, Little Bill and yeah, nothing else. you just else. watched Little Bill and felt so left out. <laughs> I actually, I did love the show Little Bill as a kid. But, um, um, like, I don't, I don't know what that's, what it's like to have this lack of representation. Um, so if, if black and brown people say that it's important, important to them to be represented in this way, I say, dope. Let's let's give y'all more representation, even if it isn't like completely adherent to the word of God, aka the Silmarillion. Um, let's let's just let's just give you that because it's gonna. When we, when we translate, can we stop pretending that translating things to in different artistic mediums, like, uh, is a it, sorry. Can we stop pretending that when we translate things from one artistic medium to another, that they have to be 100% accurate and they have to be like a one-to-one -one interpretation? The whole entire point of making a film out of something that is not a film is to have the film interpretation of it. Things work better in film than they do in... Some things work better in film, some things work better in writing, and some things just aren't going to overlap perfectly. And when you are creating an entire new world, because that's what a film is... The fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't exactly like the fucking books. The fucking 
I can't. <laughs> I literally, the Harry Potter movies, they're not exactly like the books. The Lord of the Rings movies, I'm sure, are not exactly like the books. You're not supposed to follow them one-to-one. And when you're creating a new world, because these are new worlds, they are separate worlds that are interpretations of other worlds, there's going to be different needs. There's going to be different things. And the biggest thing, the biggest advantage that film has is that it's a better, like, interpretation or representation of like day-to-day human life in the modern day and when that's your goal you should be reflecting as many aspects of real human life when it comes to world building as possible you know and that includes the presence of different kinds of people um i think that art should reflect life in the sense that there are different kinds of people coexisting living together and that uh people should be able to feel represented and not invisible like you said Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, people, people are right that part of the reason that the Peter Jackson trilogy of movies um, were so beloved is because of their accuracy to the books. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I mean. Yeah. Um, I, and I was actually, I am actually a person who is kind of sad that um, Tom Bombadil was excluded from the Peter Jackson trilogy of movies. Tom Bombadil... Um, is a character that appeared in the books, and he was just like a silly guy, big Tom Bombadil fan. There's uh, a sonnet um, that Tolkien wrote. A lot of people think that Tom Bombadil was actually a uh, self-insert for Tolkien, but old Tom Bombadil is a merry fellow, bright blue his jacket and his boots are yellow. Like, I love that! I love Tom Bombadil. <laughs> um, and I was sad when he wasn't in the movies, but, you know... Life, life goes on. <laughs> um, and, and I understand wanting to see your favorite books adapted and turned into something visual rather than purely imaginary and have it be exactly the same as the books. Um, but that, for me at least, mostly has to do with plot. The plot is what is important to me. And if, if one, one white character, one piece of white representation, which we have such an excess of, has to be sacrificed so to, for one person, or not one person, for a whole demographic of people to enjoy this on a deeper level and feel better connected to it, who fucking cares? Who cares? <laughs> Let them have it. Racist and- people, they care. It's it's nuts to me. I like I don't understand it. And these these people who are like, well, they could have just made a show about these these regions that Tolkien barely wrote about, just kind of mentioned existed. They could have that people of color existed, and they could have just made a show about that. Uh, 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 Is that a bad argument though? We're talking about like lands and like locations full of black people in this fiction. Like have a yes. Wouldn't but, that give wouldn't that give Tolkien, black folks a more central like role? Wouldn't that? But go on. but none of it. There's no. There's no Tolkien in that because he didn't really elaborate on those lands a whole lot. He didn't go into the history and in, into individual characters the way he went into the characters of Middle Earth. Well, wouldn't it be fucking cool um, to see the universe expand instead of just continuously interpreting the same exact like? existing media yeah 
but it wouldn't be Tolkien anymore. <laughs> that's the thing. It's his. So that's the whole his... point of this franchise is that it's like the undisputed interpretation of this one guy's vision. Okay, you're not you're not a Lord of the Rings fan. You're not a Tolkien fan. So no, but I'm a fan of it. fiction. I understand. I can speak fundamentally yeah, about yeah. this sort of thing. Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't really be Tolkien. It would just be a, a fantasy land where everyone is black which is cool and i actually would watch and i would love to see that um if it was if it was real but it it, it also it it just wouldn't it wouldn't be tolkien which is part of that's just extremely special um it's really his his work laid the foundation for all fantasy that would come after. It was it just completely changed the landscape of fantasy. And there's something about his work in particular that is so so magical and just so full of wonder um that I really I can't even express in words unless I was just reading the audiobook to you. <laughs> um uh and, but the, the, what my original point was going to be is if we know that, that black and brown people do exist in, canonically, in, in Tolkien's universe that he created, why can't we just say that there was immigration? Why can't we say, oh, a few people got lost at sea and washed up on the shores of Middle Earth, and that's why there are brown people here now. And now we can have them included. And then you why can establish. Can say that? Then you can establish <laughs> more of their story within the pre-existing yes. Tolkien universe. That's without like going too far off of his vision, because that's so fucking precious yeah. to you guys. Yes. Um, I don't. I really. I've tried to understand, but. I can't. And at the end of the day, I just have to come to the conclusion that it's because these they're they're mad that there are black people in this all white universe. But they would never <laughs> admit that to themselves. Land. And they don't they don't they yes. truly to the bottom of their heart do not believe that's why they have a problem with it. They will delude themselves. Their leaders will delude mm -hmm. themselves. Their leaders will give them excuses. They will convince themselves by any means necessary that they are not racist. They are not bigots. They are simply people who disagree with an artistic decision to let black people fucking exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gay people, on the other um, hand, uh, they're very comfortable just being like, yeah, no, fuck gay, gay people <laughs> in my media. That is bad. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and another another recent example example is the Velma show on HBO, um, which I did not watch. Me and uh, me and Squeebo heard... watched the pilot episode together. Uh -huh. Um, in person. What did you think? Um, it was terrible. <laughs> But it uh -huh. had it had virtually nothing to do with um the ethnicity of the characters. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I actually think conceptually, um it was it was like interesting to see a, like a you know, an adult Velma show where uh characters just randomly swapped ethnicities. It's it's comically it, it is comically strange to just like swap a skin like the fucking hex code of somebody's skin color, but it is I don't <laughs> think it's necessarily a bad thing in animation. Mm -hmm. Um, not just because hold on, we I need, need to hold on. I need to plug my computer in one second. Okay, I'm back. 
So I think I think swapping the ethnicity of char- or like giving characters different ethnicities is creatively compelling for something like Scooby Doo. Not just because uh, diversity is good and we ought to tell more stories, but because. Um, well, ex- that's exactly why. Um, because when Scooby Doo is practically a fucking nursery rhyme, if you look at all the different interpretations of it, it's the same exact shit. There are like forty different fucking versions on Cartoon Network of Scooby Doo, for that that span like decades. That are like exactly the same characters. The characters act, behave, have the same exact backstories. Um, they're all really good, in my opinion. I don't think there's a bad like Scooby Doo show. Um, I loved Scooby Doo as a kid. I even like the live action movies. I think they're funny there's fucking stupid because they are live action <laughs> movies from the 2000s based on kids shows but they're good they're funny um but at this at a certain point it is getting a it does get a little bit repetitive and uninteresting and i think that it's an interesting idea to take the canvas of this story and decide that you want to portray more experiences than just uh white people within this universe within this outline within this sort of uh template that we've created over the years that we've created and sustained for so long uh not daring to change or meddle with it um some of the characters like the characters are generally likable but like there's so many like just shitty like lines of dialogue that are just like that are simultaneous there's there's simultaneously like cringe and woke and cringe and not woke at the same time. I wish I could remember mm-hmm. specific lines of dialogue, but it is very, 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 very bland, like social commentary. Like, wasn't there something that was like making fun of police brutality? <laughs> I don't, I don't, not in the first episode, to my knowledge. I heard something like that, and people being like, "What, what audience are they trying to pander to right now?" Because they alienated all of the conservatives and now they're alienating all of the liberals <laughs> by making a joke but about police on. brutality it was it was like at at the expense of the person being brutalized i think oh. I, this is just why <laughs> whose who's fucking idea was that? but yeah the the whole like um and i i watched this before even like reading any of the discourse about it um, I definitely got the impression of like, who the fuck are they trying to pander to? Which is like shitty, like quippy, like un uninteresting, bland, regurgitated social commentary that has been it it's like it literally does feel like um what conservatives think like liberal cartoons are like. Uh-huh. And it was it was just really bad, and it was disappointing because I thought that they could have done interesting things with the characters. Just even just Scooby-Doo as an adult cartoon was interesting to mm-hmm. me. I wasn't even mad that Scooby yeah. the dog wasn't in it. Like, whatever, who cares? It's a complete. It's a completely different thing. You should not go into... Yeah! <laughs> Did <laughs> your mic cut out? No. <laughs> I was interrupted. Oh. Yeah, anytime you're in a VC with someone and they go, Yeah! That means that somebody walked in the room and they muted their mic. Ah. Uh. Um... Yeah, you shouldn't enter a new interpretation or reboot with the same expectations that you enter, like, re-watching the original one. Like, I swear to God, that's what people walk into, like, well, well, it's not the same. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. It's not the same. What is, you want to, you want to just remaster the animation? You just want to reanimate the same old shit over and over again? Fuck you. I hate you. You're mm-hmm. stupid. You're so fucking stupid. Get off of TikTok. 
Stop playing Subway Surfers. Stop dyeing your hair fucking green. I hate you. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Um. Now, see, I I completely agree with you. Uh, at this point, it, this I think it's a great example. Um, how people were immediately in it like bad writing set aside as soon as it was announced and we heard that Velma wasn't white anymore and that that was part of the premise of the show people were furious and it's it's so confusing to me because again this is this is the show that has where we've been doing the exact same thing with it for decades decades and decades and it's all the same shit. And that's... It's good shit. We love Scooby-Doo. But... But it, it was getting stale. Wrong... It was getting stale, for yes. sure. Yes. Um, but, but what's wrong with taking this now kind of classic story and, and adapting it in, in a new, new way that adds depth, more depth to it? I don't I don't get the inherent issue with that. <laughs> and also Where since we're, inc we're just... increasing our demographic like in the fucking when was Scooby Doo made? Like the 60s? I'm pretty I sure it was made in the 60s, know. whatever. Like making a fucking I think probably not the 60s, but Do you think it was later or earlier? I know it definitely I think existed. It was later. No, it existed in the 60s. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it existed before then. I don't think it did. I'm pretty sure. Hold on. Let me look this up. Okay, 1969. So basically, it was okay. a 70s cartoon. Um, would you create shit in the 70s? I, I, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit biased, or maybe maybe I'm not thinking super clearly. But I'm pretty damn sure back in 1969 when they were pitching cartoons, they weren't thinking how are we going to ensure that this portrays the experience of more than just white people or more than just heterosexual <laughs> people. Um, in fact, I think if you ask that question. <laughs> In, in a, in a, you know, in that setting, you you might have gotten fired immediately. Um, so when we take these old, admittedly great pieces of media from previous times that were intended to portray experiences under the pretext that were appropriate at the time, why can't we, when we're reimagining a show, do the same thing but with a more modern approach? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like th this, this seems like common sense to me. And we do this with everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you fucking, uh, when people like tweak like the recipe for fucking Coca Cola, uh, people, you know, people nowadays have different expectations for food. We've developed our palates differently. We're less sophisticated, obviously. Um, but like our palates have changed over generations. So they make Coca Cola more palatable to people today and more, uh, you know, more averaged out to the to pander to the experience of the average person, and I I don't understand. Appropriately, not full of cocaine. Yeah, ex exactly. You know, you get rid of the cocaine. <laughs> are people are these people mad that Coca Cola doesn't have cocaine in it anymore? It's not true to the original. It's like when we create things, <laughs> when we create things, they when we create new interpretations of things, they they evolve over time. Okay, interpretations are exactly that. Interpretations. They have modern standards applied to old things. I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But you apply modern standards to these old templates and shit. 
You know, sometimes I'm not even saying it's inherently problematic that, oh my God, the entire cast of Scooby-Doo is white because you look outside, you see groups of white people all the time. I'm not saying big groups of white people can't exist on the television. I'm just saying they're not the only thing that needs to exist in television. And then there's the people who are like fucking, I think it should be uh, accurate. Uh, You know, we need 13% of every cast to be black. Like, fuck you, dude. That's so, it's Uh so unbelievably stupid. It's unfathomably lacking in a logical foundation. Because how would you feel if you were told, yeah, only 13% of characters uh, get to portray your experience and the rest of them get to portray this other person's experience? That's in, that's so fucking incredibly disrespectful and borderline just racist at that point. <laughs> like, that's... You're literally just telling somebody that, oh, yeah, since you're a minority, uh, we're gonna... Like, what, are we gonna give them 13% of their fucking paycheck? Is that what you want? You want them to have 13% of everything because they're 13% of the population? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... See, this is such... It is such a weird argument to me, too. Um, like, what what's coming to mind is people like, why is there why is there a gay person in every show now? There isn't. And they're only... Fi- there isn't, yeah, first of all. And uh, it, when they're only 5% of the population, and... Um, Something that I think people forget is that there's almost 8 billion people in the world, and at that point, 5% of the population is, like, millions and millions of people. That's a lot of fucking people who never or barely ever see themselves represented in media. And just because someone is a minority part of the population, does that mean that they don't deserve to be visible? That, uh, that it isn't important to represent them in media in ways that will end up benefiting them. Because the, the, the reality is that, um, that representation in media is part of how people begin to understand and accept minority groups. Which I mean, is fucking the, depressing. The, that that's where that's it is how depressing. that's how kids are going to learn what gay people are is through the television. And not it is depressing. Yes, it is depressing, but it is the reality. And the kind of classic example of that um, is like Uncle Tom's Cabin, that old that old novel, which obviously very problematic themes <laughs> in there. But it say. is true. It is true. That Uncle Tom's Cabin was published and all sorts of people in the North read it and went, oh, well, Uncle Tom is is such a great guy. Why would he be considered a slave or a secondhand citizen in the South? That's terrible. Why? It's so awful that someone would be treated like this. And that's what got people to, a part of what got people to initially start thinking about maybe we should get rid of slavery because they saw this character represented and went, oh, wait, black people are also human beings, which obviously depressing, but it's true. That's what happened. <laughs> um, that's that's how so, I feel when I have to show a transphobic person a picture of like Blair White or some like some really uh-huh. smoking hot trans woman and be like, OK, is this a woman? And then they fucking shit their pants because they don't have the guts to say no. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um. And it's, you know, just because trans people are 1.4% of the population, that is still 
millions of people. Millions I'm surprised people, it's that high, no. to be completely honest with you. That's an insane it, that's, fucking amount of people. I've been I've been arguing with a lot of transphobes online recently, and that's that's the number. It's the official number for the number of trans people in America, one point four percent. Um but that is that is millions of people. Millions of people who deserve to be treated with dignity and respect who are currently dealing with a whole lot of people who have no idea how to treat a trans person because they barely even know what being trans is. And if those if those people were able to have a fun a fun show that would also teach them what a trans person is at the same time, um that would be immensely helpful to the millions and millions of us that are currently being treated really poorly by a lot of people. Um, the same goes for gay people. The same goes for all sorts of minorities. Um, you know, we, it's very classic that a lot of people who are Asian will all just be lumped into each other. And that's why it is so valuable when we have pieces of media that portray a specific Asian identity, like someone who is Taiwanese, for instance. So that then people see that and see, oh, there's a distinction between people who live in, in Taiwan, people who live in Korea and China and, and Japan. Oh, there's, there's more people than just, than just uh, China and Korea and Japan. There's all sorts of Asian identities. And that is, even if, even if the number of Taiwanese people people of Taiwanese descent in the U.S. is extremely small. That is still, that is still millions of people, and they still deserve to, to be treated with, with dignity and not have their culture completely erased by the larger countries in that region. And it is, it is so valuable to them. It is so valuable to us. And I, I don't, I don't fucking understand why people have such a problem with that. Uh, and the only, the only conclusion I can come to is that it's racism. And I guess I, I've had lots of bias, conversations about which this. Night, which is, what? Sorry, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, th- I think we, I think the <laughs> delay got the better of us. Um, I said, I think you, yeah. you, could, you could say racial bias, which is kind of a nicer way of telling someone that they're a racist piece of shit. No, like, um, yeah, because when you say the word racist, people are thinking, what? I don't want to lynch all black people. I'm not racist. Yeah. What the hell? But if you say racial bias, I think they're significantly more likely to, uh, at best, uh, be like, you know what? You know, you know, perhaps reconsider their thought process, perhaps. Because when you say racial bias, I feel like everyone, when they, a lot of people, when they hear that, they immediately know that you're referring to like, uh something that's somewhat out of your something that's out of your control something that's like just a reflection of your surroundings whereas when you say racist um oftentimes people will misinterpret that as you saying that they are like a cartoonishly evil person who just out of malice wishes to (laughs) destroy all minorities yeah yeah that even though you're completely right even though the word racist accurately describes someone with a negative or a uh, impaired like racial bias um Mm -hmm. it's certainly developed implications that uh make people freak out that it it just lost Mm -hmm. a lot of its productive use in certain Mm -hmm. conversations 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no, you're you're completely right. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, I wasn't I wasn't correcting you. I was just adding on. Well, okay, okay. Yes, yes, okay. Um, yeah. It. And I'll also, when talking to people about this online, I'll have people go like, "Oh, what about what about Miles Morales? You know, we love we love." Miles Morales, and no one was ever mad about there being a black Spider-Man, which is just not true. People were mad about People Miles Morales. People were pissed. Yes. I remember when I, when I first heard about him, uh, Miles Morales, it's, I think it's Miles Morales. I don't know if it's Miles Morales. I think Miles it's Morales. I think it's Mal- Miles Morales. I've heard it said both ways, and I've heard people get yeah. made fun of for saying it both ways, so I don't <laughs> fucking know. But um, I'm going to say Miles Morales. That's what I'm betting on. Uh, people... There, the fucking comic book. Um, there was they had a comic book in my seventh grade classroom, and I specifically remember a white kid being like, "Oh, they had to make Spider-Man black." Like, first uh-huh. of all, it's funny that he thinks they just turned Peter Parker black. Second of all, it's just the general like animosity towards that um, yeah. has been there. It's it's in the it's made its way to the middle school classrooms, and I saw the same response when Into the Spider Verse came out. Uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. were really mad about that. People were really mad that there was rap music in the movie too. That that shit caused mm-hmm. outrage. Was there rap music mm-hmm. in the movie? I don't know. There was rap music in, on the soundtrack to the movie, which yes. could very well could have been in or not in the film itself. I haven't actually watched the it movie. It was it was in the film. It, it's it's great. You should watch it. I I plan it on is... watching it. I've been watching all the Marvel movies, as a lot of people know, and that's definitely I could, one of them. I could go on a whole rant about it. I I really I really enjoyed that movie. Um, but but yeah, I think I think a lot of the people who are at this point on the side in quotation marks of um of forced diversity being a thing that is an issue i think that a lot of them are just going by their own definition of it and don't realize that the origins of this term and um and just this this whole this whole history exists and they aren't they don't even know that people were pissed off about miles morales it's it's i, I are you talking to children to on the internet i'm like talking high schoolers? to 30 year old men in um 30 year old men Dark are bringing Souls. up into the spider verse though yeah actually. I, I, I guess yeah that, I, I mean, my perception miles my perception morales of age has is completely ex- existed in the miles morales has existed in the comics for a while now yeah um but but yeah, uh, but nobody gave a shit about him until the movie. At least to yeah. my understanding, I don't remember anyone caring about him until the movie. I, isn't he? Isn't I mean, he? Um, half black and half Hispanic, wasn't that? Yes. The, yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I knew that Miles Morales existed because I was, uh, I I read some Marvel comics in my time. I was a big Deadpool fan and. Miles Morales does appear in the uh, Deadpool and Spider-Man comics um, briefly, but he's there. Um, and I was I was always peripherally aware of this character, but he really did. People became much more aware of him once uh, the movie came out. Um, but I think a lot of them just don't know, but at the same time are too insecure to admit that they're wrong to use the term forced diversity in this way. <laughs> Wait until I hear about Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. Nuts. The Wonder feminists are taking over. Woman Woman literally was a feminist effort 
to present women as powerful in a world that was um, admittedly degrading to women, that being comic books, mm -hmm. generally speaking. That was like DC's mm -hmm. like admission. They're like, look, we're sorry, okay? We're going to give you fucking Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is pretty cool, though. We apologize for the sexual awakening of many 11-year-old <laughs> boys. Uh, we're going to give them a more powerful sexual awakening with uh -huh. a powerful woman, Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Fucking mm -hmm. Spider Woman, Batgirl. The people have, they've been shoving women into comic books for a long time. And I, I, I love it. When I say shoving women, I, mm -hmm. I, I mean that is literally what's happening. And I think it's amazing. It's great. I think we should shove mm -hmm. as many minorities as possible <laughs> into things. And you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. Force diversity is a good thing because I will force you to be diverse. I am forcing diversity upon the world. Mm -hmm. Are people are people mm -hmm. are they are people going to start getting mad at black people for existing? Like, oh, this is forced diversity. Mm -hmm. Like, 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 how is it any different than just black people uh -huh. showing up in real life? This is how, mm -hmm. this fiction reflects reality. Art imitates life. <laughs> and this is my entire point. This entire fucking episode is minority people. They exist, so they're gonna be in media. Uh huh. And fuck yeah. you if you don't like it. And I do think, like, in this discussion that I had with these 30-year-old out-of-touch uh, Soulsborne nerds, uh, I, uh, there were some people who were genuinely like, I think that people are focusing on quantity over quality and that these characters end up having their only personality trait being their status as, as a minority. And... I I agree that, that that is bad, and there's a lot of corporations that are using minorities as a marketing effort. As but notches in their belt. As yeah, yes, yeah. Um, as you know, look, we're not a racist company. We have we have a, a black person in our movie. Um, and I agree, but I think that that's more a symptom of capitalism than anything. Like. Are are you are you keeping this this energy for every other aspect of movies? <laughs> because yeah. of course, it art in order for art to be distributed to people, it needs to be profitable. That is just the reality of of our country of capitalism. Um, so you know, of course, if it's gonna make it more marketable, we're gonna have more minorities in it but i don't think that that also means that it's just it's it's worthless um i do i i think that there is a lack of quality representation in a lot of things um i guess we representation could... where a character is allowed to just exist as a minority without having their entire personal plot be about being a minority um especially especially for trans people obviously uh there it's always necessary whenever in the rare instances where there are trans characters for there to be a whole explanation about what trans people are um can you name a movie that came out in the last 10 years that has like like a a trans main character, not like the main character, but like a bit like a trans character with a major role. Because I literally can't. I can't either. <laughs> like you can you can name TV shows, right? But like those come and go. Like 
it's funny because TV shows are significantly longer and bigger than movies, but it seems like they people uh they leave less of a impact these days, especially like streaming service originals. Like fucking mm-hmm. Euphoria, everybody freaked the fuck out about that show for so long, or not for so long, like so for like so it was to such an extent, but mm-hmm. they literally like forgot about it in like two weeks. Yeah. Still haven't watched Euphoria. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't want to watch a bunch of adults play high schoolers and fuck each other. Uh-huh. Do drugs. Yeah. It's um I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna watch it. But I I, I don't wanna watch I don't wanna watch high school porn. Nobody wants yeah. to see that shit. Fucking perverts. I mean people do wanna see that shit, but well, it's it's extremely morally questionable. <laughs> you shouldn't wanna see it. L- yeah. Listen, I'm not I'm not even saying that like high school sex shouldn't be portrayed on film. It shouldn't be eroticized. And Euphoria yeah. is unquestionably eroticizes it, from what I've heard. Unless I've been told nothing but lies from every white woman in my life. But for the most part, uh, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty damn sure that it's one of those things, one of the many things uh, that eroticizes sexual relationships in high school. Yada, yada, yada. Yucky, yucky, yucky. That's why I stopped watching anime. Yucky, yucky, yucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and hopefully in the future there will be more, but people not need more to stop. high school sex? No, more, more trans representation. <laughs> okay. Quality Forgot representation we for minorities. Um, <laughs> uh, what about, but okay. People need to stop pissing themselves whenever they see a person of color or an LGBT person, or a person with a disability on their screen. Like, any, literally any visibility for minorities is labeled as woke by conservatives these days. Did you see the thing about, with Cadence Owens, where she's like, It's Candace. Underwear marketed. Candace? It's Candace. I thought it was Cadence. I thought it was No, it's not, she's not Princess Cadence from fucking My Little Pony. It's Candace Owens. (laughs) Okay, 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 whatever. Um... She was like, underwear? Marketed to people in wheelchairs? How preposterous. And the, the reality is that people in wheelchairs need different underwear in order to be comfortable and to even look attractive while sitting in their wheelchair. Catering um, to anyone who isn't just like a demographic majority? Wow. Wow. Why? Very bold of people to like want woke. things. Very woke. woke of people to want things that fit them. Like people, like people, I've seen people get fucking pissed that there's like, a, there's like, like the, um, what's the, um, what's the like term? Cause I, I only know the most bigoted terms for this section at the store. Um, the section at like JCPenney for very large people, just, I guess plus, plus size. size plus, is that what, is that actually what it's called? Cause yes. I've, um, I hear that in, simultaneously. In clothing. It, see, there's it's... a lot of debate. There's a lot of debate around it. Uh, plus size is the what it's called. It's literally, it's like XXL and up. That is plus size. Um, Shit, I might be fucking plus size. There's... Jesus Christ. <laughs> or it's like XXL or like three XL is plus size okay. or something like that. Um, I occasionally wear two XL, but I think I don't think I'm actually a two XL. Yeah. Um, but there's, uh, 
there's a lot of like weird there's like there there isn't really a definitive answer um obese is definitely considered uh bad at this point i believe just because it's nobody it, would nobody would say the obese there's... section at jc penny be... <laughs> yeah yeah what the fuck um, um and it's not and obesity and it's not correct me if i'm wrong but obesity is the medical term right it's for obesity is a medical it's it's not necessarily a size yeah but obese has become ended up being more like a slur at this point and um obesity used to scapegoat medical problems that people are facing when they're actually seriously ill in other ways. Uh, just stuff like that. Um, there are, like, a lot of people are campaigning for fat to not be, like, considered a dirty word. And to just be describing themselves as fat. I think some people wouldn't want to be described as fat. But, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole tangent. Yeah, that's all. We could do a whole episode about that. Um, but anyways, the really big section at JCPenney. And I say this not in an insulting way at all. I'm just being 100% honest. Like, that's what it is. They're very, very large clothes that would look comical if I tried to wear them. This section at JCPenney, I've seen conservatives or people in my life be like, oh, what, they need a whole section now? Like, yeah. Really big people need really big clothes. Like, do you, do you want them to just not be able to fit in any clothes? Like, I don't understand what the goal is here. The, is the goal, to me, the goal points to, like, this fucking hive mind desire for eradication of all minorities. And that might sound absolutely insane, but that is very clearly the motivation that is being passed down and, like, sugar-coated into these people's fucking brains. These people are genocide-brained. Mm-hmm. I truly believe people are genocide-brained. Oh, women's clothing for trans women? That's disgusting. Okay, so you, you want us to have no clothing? You want to strip away our fucking access to basic utilities? Geno- that's genocide. Yeah. That is genocide. Yeah. Fuck you. Kill <laughs> Jesus Christ. That me gloom. No. <laughs> no, you need to cut grow, that out. You need to cut grow, that out. Grow and change as a person. Oh, I just realized the bots aren't even in here. So if one of our audio recording gets fucked, we're completely fucked. Okay, okay. Uh, I can't, I can't even mark it sure down. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Oh. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I do think, I do think that people are, are genocide-brained a little bit. Um, they're, they're reasoning, like, because it is, it is a massive issue. I'm just going to use plus size. Plus size, for plus size people, um... That they can't find any clothing to fit them, that they look nice in, that isn't made for grandmas. Um, and people justify that by saying, oh, they should just lose weight. Um, ignoring the fact that diseases like, like Cushing's disease exists, which just causes uncontrollable weight gain, and people can genuinely do nothing about it. Um, and all of these conditions that are causing, that are causing medical obesity in america um and just saying they should lose weight if they want to wear clothes like and then at the same time they'll complain about uh plus size people going around and like like they're they're 
butts showing when they bend over or their stomachs hanging out of their clothes. And it's like, you're refusing to give them clothes that fit a fucking course they're needing to size down, wear stuff that doesn't fit, and then you're mad about that too. Like, they aren't allowed to exist in public. And, and at the same time, they're not allowed to, like, exist in peace at the gym. They'll be made fun of go- at the gym. Yeah, you tell them to go to the gym <laughs> and then you fucking, laugh at them at the gym. You make the gym the least wild. safe environment for them possible. It's fucking wild. It's crazy. And I think that this, this, this idea transfers over to all sorts of minorities. Um, at this point, plus size people are a majority, but <laughs> we're still not catering to them somehow. Um, but pe- this carries over. People just don't don't want to see minorities in spaces where there previously weren't minorities, and that they can't just be mad that there there is a black person in the diner anymore. That became not okay a while ago. So now that they're mad that there's a black person in their TV show. That's that's what this it's it's fucking it's it's segregation brain <laughs> that is persistent into into the modern era. It's, it's fucking I like I I'm tr- I tried to Your chair is squeaking. Make it stop. I can't. Um I'll oh, I'll try okay. and get a new chair soon. <laughs> Okay. But, uh, Sorry, guys. Uh, we just Felonius <laughs> Ferris doesn't care about the show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm kidding. But yes. Uh, but uh, it's like I-, I try and be understanding, and I try to like earnestly convince people that you know maybe this is a flawed way of way of thinking. But I think that the issue with See, this is even more alienating to say, but I don't think that any conservatives are really listening to this podcast anyway. I think that a lot of conservatives. Well, then I guess I market this in some pretty politically neutral territories, so you never know. Y'all are about to um, prepare to be triggered, prepare to be offended. I think that a lot of conservatives have insecurity issues, where they're they associate they think that if you ever do a bad thing then you are an irredeemable bad person and it is just too it's too painful to confront the reality that maybe they have ever done something wrong the left doesn't help with that narrative the left doesn't help either you're correct you're correct (laughs) we're not doing Um, a great job of you know being like hi we understand that you're a human being with a flawed perception of what's going on that's that's actually my biggest uh, see I I generally agree with the people on MSNBC more than obviously more than I agree with the people on Fox but also if you watch MSNBC they're like directly insulting conservative constituents and it's like what 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 progress is going to come of this you're just feeding into this tribalism us versus them narrative where everyone on the other side is racist and transphobic and evil <laughs> it's it's just so unhelpful see, and see, I they hate are it so they, much. They, they are but with the magic of friendship they can change uh-huh i don't think um, everyone right of center is cartoonishly evil um no i don't think anyone is cartoonishly evil with may- maybe like a lot psychopathic of... murderers 
I think that a lot of conservative constituents just haven't been provided the tools to challenge these these narratives. They just haven't been introduced to anything else, and they haven't been given the tools to stop being so insecure that they're unable to consider other perspectives. And I think that they're being lied to by their lawmakers. A lot of them don't even know what their lawmakers are actually doing. And why would they? Can we just say really quickly that... Hold on, hold on. A lot of them them are working class. So that is 40, 50 hours a week of manual labor a lot of the time. Why the fuck would they have the energy in their free time to go, like, study what the people that they're voting for are doing? That... Who who fucking has who has the energy for that? No one, especially not them. So like I, I I'm truly I'm very sympathetic, but you know it's it's deeply it's deeply unfortunate. So you're a conservative sympathizer. I I I feel I feel for them. I feel a lot of a lot of sadness and pity, and I hope I hope against hope that they'll realize what's going on and realize that the people that they're voting for I mean there's there's a reason why the bible belt has some of the worst quality of life in America consistently <laughs> uh you know I I I don't think a whole lot of them are going to realize it I think some with the whole Trump situation ended up realizing um but that's only a small handful you know and remember that those people are the proletariat too, leftists, before you get yeah. fucking angry. The proletariat isn't just people who you like. Mm-hmm. So stop gatekeeping information and stop fucking not reaching out to people. Elitism in the left seems like a fucking, like, what is the fucking, oxymoron. Yeah. But it's very, very present. Listen, I believe in you know, whatever, you're going to be a little elitist about your theory, like, oh, I'm actually a classical Marxist, and only people who think like me are the true revolutionaries, whatever, fuck you, I don't care. But, like, if you are going to gatekeep the humanity of people, the worthiness of quality of life, the worthiness of access to basic living needs, if that's what you're going to start gatekeeping, um, fuck you, you're not a real leftist, you're fake. You're, yep. you, you are a fascist. You are literally a fascist. That is literally, like, basically the definition of fascism. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, we've completely gone in a different direction at this point. We're just point. yelling at people. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, I, you're I not, think... you're not yelling at people. I'm yelling at people. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> um, I think that might be a sign that it's, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, we may have said what we have to say at this point. Probably. We're about an hour, 18 minutes in. The silence uh-huh. cut will be like an hour and 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think this is a terrible episode. I'm going to be honest with you. My performance was an absolute <laughs> disaster. Um, I I didn't know what to say about forced diversity, so I just started yelling at people. Um, I'm sorry. it's okay to express that you're angry about it. It's okay to express you're frustrated. Yeah, but like, I'm not like Martin Luther King. Like, I'm not like poetic. <laughs> like, I can't like... I don't have the fucking Midas touch. When I yell, it's like incomprehensible sometimes. I just sound like I a also, dumbass who doesn't know what he's talking about. This whole episode was was motivated by my 
interactions with this time that I posted this fighting cowboy thread <laughs> and had all of these people come to to argue with me about it. And you weren't there, so I, I had a lot of recent memory to draw upon. Fair. And I had 2016 memories to draw upon. Uh-huh. Which, uh, as an era, I've pretty much successfully blocked out almost entirely. No. I actually have very vivid memories, but certain things like politics are things that I don't remember super well, depending on the topic. I remember what I, I believed in, but like shit that I just heard about, like I don't really remember well. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. Do you want to talk about anything before we get the fuck out of here? I said fuck like 40 times. Like this is like, I I just completely stopped. I completely dropped any sense of like professionalism that I had throughout this podcast on this episode. And for that, I apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, where the fuck can we find you? Um, or what the fuck do you, do you want to talk about anything else or no? Not, no, I don't really have much else to say. Okay, cool. uh, where the, where the fuck can we fucking find you for the love of fucking God? Um, I'm on, I'm on all sorts of places. I'm on YouTube, Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, and I really barely use any of them. Um, but you know, sometimes once in a blue moon, I'll I'll post uh, shit posts on Tumblr. I'm trying to move my shit posts over to Tumblr, um, and they aren't successful because it's really difficult to get anyone to interact with your shit posts on Tumblr unless you already have a shit ton ton of followers. But it's fine. I'm not. I'm not hurt at all. Uh. But yeah. I tried um, Tumblr like once. I couldn't get like a single follower on Tumblr. Like it's just like impossible. It's, it's weird. It it mostly the only way to success be successful is to be a creative, be like making fan fiction or fan art uh for a specific thing and then all of the, the ADHD autism people will flock to your post and go, "I like that thing too." Um that's how I got the followers that I have on Tumblr by just making a couple of One Piece shit posts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Awesome. You can find me. Uh, I'm pretty much anywhere. All my links are in the description, as well as Felonius Ferris's links. I always forget to reiterate that, that uh, even though we plug waste time plugging all our shit it's because people are stupid and don't click in the description, uh, these are all in the description. So go to Demigloom. Just look up Demigloom on YouTube, and maybe someday I'll post another video. But for now, there's bad political video. Uh, I'm not even going to say they're bad anymore. I'm dropping the humility, guys. Go watch The Femboy Problem by Demi Gloom. It's a good video. Good one. Uh, it's got my, my, my great, morally adjusted friend, JellyU, is featured on it. And uh, it's, it's my most popular video. Go check it out. Um, that being said, this has been Middle School GSA. Um, goodbye. Goodbye.